It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we have reached the end of the regular season of college football. Next week, we're coming back to do the whole thing, but it's conference championship week. It's going to look a little bit different. We've reached the end of our first college football regular season. How does it feel? Time flies when you're having fun, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, we got a lot of good games and rivalry rivalry week to uh, you know, decide some of the conference championship matchups and so yeah, we're we're rolling into the weekend and a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I'm excited. I can't believe how fast it went, but here we are. Yeah, and the good news about this is that we are now one step closer to draft season because, as we're going to talk about today, some of that starts to trickle in, even amidst the games this weekend uh, with players starting to think about their future uh, rather than what is in front of them in the college football schedule. So let's dive in to the week at camp for week 13 and we're going to start things off with the with rivalry week with what you said rivalry week a huge slate of games this weekend and it was punctuated by an 11 a.m matchup between michigan and ohio state and the biggest one of these games the game the biggest one of these that has happened in quite a while and it was Michigan all the way. So, in watching this game, the things that we're watching, what did you notice with the big game? I mean, the Ohio State looked like they were missing one more weapon on offense because it seemed like Michigan had a plan for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And they were obviously, the, their entire defense was predicated on take this guy out of the game and see if they can beat us another way. And uh, Ohio State ended up missing Jackson and Travion Henderson in this game. So the kind of some of the dynamic weapons there and then some of the play calling was pretty conservative. They had a couple fourth downs they could have gone for. And then, I mean, Michigan seemed like they capitalized on every mistake Ohio State made on defense. Because I think they had four touchdowns to 60-plus yards, which is the most since whenever. I mean, you know, these it, it, was, it got out of hand in the second half, basically. It was like Ohio State ran out of gas, it seemed like, and Michigan was saving up for it. And uh, no Blake Corum, no problem for them. That's, what, that's what's really impressive about this is the fact that Blake Corum, I think, got two carries in this game. Uh, I mean, and and it, it didn't matter for the Michigan offense. There's a lot of talk about Blake Corum. Is he the MVP of college football? Is he uh, the biggest reason why Michigan is having so much success this year? And at least in a game like this, biggest game of the season, didn't really seem like that was the case. But uh, that had a lot to do with the guy that was shining in his absence, which was Donovan Edwards at the running back position. That is 2024. So Donovan Edwards, potential name to throw into next year's class of campers. 
Yeah, one of the many. I mean, 2024 is looking like a pretty good class. I mean, we, we've been talking about 2023 as the cream of the crop of recent draft classes. But, I mean, 2024 isn't looking too bad. We keep uh, Names just keep popping up. And you get a couple guys in this class that we don't that we expect to declare and they end up staying another year, then 2024 could be looking just as loaded. Yeah, definitely. That's been a takeaway for me this year. I mean, this game alone, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. Playing in this one. I mean, he's been the guy all year, arguably the best wide receiver of, of the next two classes combined. Uh, and then Emeka Ibuka also has a great game in this one as well. Um, Travion Henderson, we're missing. He's good, one of the top running backs in next year's class. Yep, becoming a forgotten name a little bit. I th- with the injuries, he, his name's sort of faded away. But he was kind of the de facto twenty twenty four number one guy. So, lot to lot to figure out there as well. But I'm I gotta ask you a question here because Jackson Smith and Jigba, you mentioned. Kind of seemed like they needed one more weapon. Well, Jackson obviously does not play in this game, has not played in almost every game this season. Start to see the name start to fall down the rankings and the big boards and the mock drafts and all this stuff. Does he consider staying in school? Is that, I know what, I think I know what you're going to say, but you got to enlighten me here. Does he consider staying in school like his teammate Chris Olave did I so I don't think he should do that because I so the the way I see this is similar to the Jamar Chase class where Chase was absent from college football for a year and in Chase's situation obviously it wasn't injury related so you don't have that knock on him but you just didn't see him. So so guys' names, you know, mostly Devontae Smith, starts kind of creeping up this draft board. He wins a Heisman even. But then you get to the draft. Chase is the first wide receiver taken. Chase is ADP wide receiver one. And, I mean, this wide receiver class is less talented than that one already. And so this it's all kind of a notch below that. But it feels a similar way where Jackson's name – kind of disappears from the everyday you know media and you start seeing Quinn Johnson have great games you start seeing you know Jordan Addison pop off and those names start rising up boards but I think once NFL draft comes and goes Jackson will be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft and then eventually he'll be the first wide receiver taken in dynasty drafts what do you think I mean, I agree. I don't think he should go back um, by any stretch. I mean, the the thing with Olave is weird because, like, on one hand, you didn't understand why Chris Olave did go back. But then it ends up being that going back was kind of the right decision for him. I mean, he made money by coming back and getting, you know, drafted, whatever, 14th overall or whatever it was. So, I mean, in that sense, it's like if there's enough question marks, because you're already seeing it, you're already seeing that, you know, people with more ties to this, more sources have Jackson as sort of like a tweener. Maybe he's a first rounder. Maybe he's not. And so 
if Jackson thinks that he has the ability and the talent to play himself into that top 10 position that we sort of expected him to fill this season, then maybe he makes that tough choice. But I still think he's going to come out because, like you said, this wide receiver group is already kind of thirsty for some names. I mean, we we got some guys here, but, I mean, I just – I think if he is – if he is – comfortable with how this season went if he doesn't feel the need to go prove himself again which does happen then I think he's coming out yeah I I think that he's he's got to come out unless like you said he starts hearing from agents or whoever you know that he's not going to be a high draft pick basically if he's going to be either a low first you know second round pick then then you start to think like well I can raise my draft stock like I know I'm good enough I can go play with whatever five-star recruit is waiting in the wings at Ohio State at quarterback and then you know Marvin Harrison and Nick Buka as juniors and we can all go dominate and go from there yeah so and that's the other wrinkle is like Chris Olave went back, and he did have Garrett Wilson and Jackson there, but it feels a little bit different because Jackson was a freshman and Garrett Wilson was, you know, essentially next year he'd be competing with two players that are both potential first-round draft picks, Marvin Harrison and Ekbuka. So there's that element too, but we'll see. We will see soon enough because it is draft declare season and this is coming up uh it it will be coming up more and more we got our first little tastes of it this weekend um coming right out of the games even in some cases because you look at this nebraska iowa game trey palmer guy that we've talked about a few times uh he has another huge game against the Hawkeyes and immediately declares for the draft. He's like, <laughs> there's my exclamation point. I'm going to the draft. He released the announcement, I think, the very next day. So it's that time of the year, and Trey Palmer's name is officially in the draft. Yeah, he had to get it done while the performance was fresh in everybody's mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I, I I like how uh, Nebraska started using Palmer late in the season where just kind of treated him like a wide receiver one where you move him outside, move him inside, put him in motion, get him matched up against their weakest guy, just throw him screens when they're playing off coverage and then let him do whatever uh, in between that. It's like... He had the, the nice out and up where he routed a guy. He had a little post route where the guy was playing outside leverage, just beat him. So, I, I mean, 165, yet two touchdowns. And not too bad. I mean, smart to declare. I, I wonder what the NFL is going to think of him since it's been inconsistent this year with Nebraska. And, you know, we, we've talked about how he was with LSU. There wasn't a ton of volume there in general. But he, he had a thousand yards here with Nebraska and he was easily their best receiver and you could see it like game in and game out. Yeah, I mean we we brought him up earlier in the season, kind of like a hey, like, you know, who's this guy doing some things down there? And I mean, he's been he's been really solid all year. You know, down the field weapon. Track guy. I mean, he's got the the deep speed where 
like you talk about some of these guys where it's like maybe they're not the most fantasy like they're not guys that you can envision in these huge like volume fantasy roles but a guy like Trey Palmer I think at least fills a, uh, fills that need of kind of like a, a deep threat an, an option on the outside to kind of take the top off a little bit and we saw him doing that in this game I mean he's a couple of big post routes uh, was where he made most of his money in this one. He's getting involved in the screen game a little bit and all that. But two big post routes. One was on kind of that double move, fakes to the outs, fakes the corner, and then comes back. Um, it was a nice little route there. But uh, I did see some Iowa folks on the timeline saying, "Hey, uh, if our secondary was at full strength, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit more." But I mean, play against the guys in front of you, and that's what Trey Palmer did. He was getting guarded by a white cornerback for some of these catches, <laughs> which is pretty hard. He was. To, I, I mean, Iowa is the place that would have it. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure that I I heard that one of the commentators say that the that guy number 33 was like a preseason All Big Ten or something, and I was like, no way! Like, I never heard about this guy in my life. I think I'd remember that. Maybe he was. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea, but I just saw, I, I saw him beat him on that post route for the touchdown, and I was like, well, should we put an asterisk next to this? <laughs> 165 asterisk. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be – obviously, that'll be kind of hand-in-hand with what happens next here is keeping an eye on who is going to declare. And like you said, there's going to be some guys that we've, pro- that we've talked about, maybe even talked about considerably that – uh, don't end up uh, making the jump going to the next level so um, all right well back to the back to the action this week we had a, a, another huge game USC Notre Dame prime time USC asserts its dominance proves that it is potentially worthy of a college football playoff spot and what we saw in this game was another 2024 guy who <laughs> We try to sneak him into every show, it seems like, because Caleb Williams has his Heisman moment this week, uh, and he is, is, as far as I'm concerned at this point in time, he is the quarterback one of this year and next year put together. This guy is the real deal. How many teams would take Caleb, Caleb Williams on their roster today in the NFL? How many would do, would you like just roughly ballpark? I, I don't want you to try to count out the teams and be like, well, you know, yeah, uh, more than half. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there's is Caleb Williams already the dynasty QB one? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, he's he's a freak. I mean, he he moves just everything is so fluid. The the ball just flies out of his hand. I mean, it's it, he's putting it on the money, but the the improv is just superb i mean it's it's kyler it's mahomes it's josh allen it's it's that kind of thing where you just can't really get a hand on this guy like it's he'll let you every once in a while like he'll buy a little bit too much time but the the risk highly highly or the reward highly highly outweighs the risk most of the time because generally he's like he does that little backpedal to get you to commit to a straight line and then just pops off to his side. And it's like, oh, well, we're fucked. 
because uh, now it's going to Jordan Addison for 40 yards. Yeah, and you know there wasn't there wasn't a ton of that ton of the uh, the passing game at play here at least for the big names. Addison I think had like 40 yards, but Caleb was doing it with his feet in this yeah. one, three rushing touchdowns. So definitely uh, already looking forward to Caleb Williams. We're getting, <laughs> it's 2024. We're getting him in like half the season so far here because desperate for. Uh, some some high level quarterback play at the next level. There's been a lot of mid quarterback play in the NFL this year, and we need some new names. So, on the other side of the on the of the game though, Notre Dame obviously loses this game. But Michael Mayer, man, I mean, he this was an exclamation point as far as I'm concerned. This was sort of his last hoorah. I mean, they'll obviously be playing in the bowl games and all of that stuff, but. This just felt like sort of his last, you know, lasting impression moment, 98 yards and two touchdowns uh, and cementing himself as tight end one, if there was ever a doubt. Yeah, he has been dominant all year. As I, I mentioned on a previous episode, his blocking is incredible. I mean, they have him like pulling on stretches. Like it is insane. He's he's pulling and sealing and he's doing like reach blocks and getting his hips turned around and then he's going for a ho hum eight for ninety eight and two touchdowns. It, it's he he's a a freak athlete in a, a different way than we normally think about it, where it's like the guys like Trey Palmer get the, you know, athlete kind of name pasted on him, but Michael Mayer, I mean, the things he does in terms of strength and then going out and running these routes and getting open and then catching contested balls in the back of the end zone against corners. I mean, it's just, it's really impressive. And so, I mean, he's easily the tight end one. It's no, no question. Close the book. Well, and we're going to, you know, we'll get to have this conversation probably quite a bit throughout the next several months here, but do you worry about Michael Mayer's NFL statistical volume as a as a dual threat tight end as a guy who will be blocking he will be catching passes this is not you know like a guy like Dalton Kincaid where you it, you project him with a little bit more receiving upside but obviously he's not the player that Michael Mayer is so do, does that worry you for a guy that you know might have pretty significant capital uh, in from an ADP perspective I worry about all tight ends now. This <laughs> yeah, is a, right. <laughs> there's there's no sure prospect in my mind, but if he goes somewhere with a good quarterback, just just good, like average, I I'm pretty confident they because he's going to be playing three downs. That's the beauty of it is he's going to be able to play basically a hundred percent of his offensive snaps as long as they want to have a tight end on the field. So if they have a coach that's willing to play him and a quarterback that can read a field, I am confident that Michael Mayer can carve out a significant role. I mean, if you look at the season stats for this Notre Dame season, he I mean, he only had 809 yards on the year. Uh, last year, 840, but he had nine touchdowns. I, so I, an NFL team, if they're going to draft him high and if they have a quarterback, they, they'll use him. But – 
at be wary of tight ends, I guess, in general, because it's a it's a scary position to invest in. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking back to TJ Hawkinson, where it's like he's a dual natured tight end with very high NFL draft capital, and he's been fine. You know, for a tight end especially, he's been fine, but he hasn't been worth that sixth pick that you probably invested in him or whatever. Right. So, very good football player, but very good football. Player. When it comes to fantasy yeah. football, it's like uh, it's tough to, you know, it's Man, tough to I, separate it sometimes. I'm getting real sick and tired of the like the the fantasy folks that are like, oh, this player sucks, and it's like, well, what? Because he's not a wide receiver two in fantasy. Like, I feel like at some point in time, this like lead that happened where like real like good football players are if they're not fantasy relevant they're like oh that guy sucks like i that's so irritating now because it's i hear that about so many different players yeah as soon as you are like losing somebody money as soon as you're <laughs> uh, like yeah. harming people's emotions you're all of a sudden you're the worst player you you know you're you got a bad attitude you know there's some reason you're not getting the ball you you probably suck you know you you can't get separation this that and the other thing and it might just come down to you have zach wilson as a quarterback you have marcus mariota as a quarterback i mean there there are situations that are really bad in the nfl and if your whole position is predicated on can my quarterback get me the ball and that's like your quarterback is a bottom five guy in the league. You should expect a couple of years of disappointing production. I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking more about guys like Trent Sherfield. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. Yeah. I gotcha. Like, it's people looking at, it's like you're watching Miami dolphins football. And it's like, if the pass doesn't go to waddle or Tyreek, you're like, Oh, why are they throwing to this loser? What's this guy? And I'm like, Dude, Trent Shortfield's making some damn good catches this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I uh, totally feel you. Uh, all right. Well, in terms of you know what is to come it, it, with the remainder of this season, I mean, we have one week left to go, and that is to break down the conference championship games. So in anticipation for what is going to be a very fun weekend of college football, Let's just take a look forward real quick to see what we have uh, in store for us and sort of uh, the names that we're going to be watching here. Uh, Starting on Friday, we get the team we just talked about, USC, going up against Utah uh, for the Pac-12 championship. So one last opportunity for for us for from the you know from a break it down perspective one last opportunity for jordan addison to put him put some stats up on the board dalton kincaid get some stats up on the board and uh should be a fun game to watch well if you remember the last time these two teams met up it was 43 to 42 in a shootout that utah won so uh, I mean, that game, Caleb Williams, 381 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, it, it was an incredible game. So this is a a fun, fun game to be on the docket for uh, USC and, and Utah. So I'm excited about that. And Jordan Addison also, 106 yards in that game. So we'll see if uh, 
we can see a repeat out of the USC end. But I mean, that was Kincaid's best game of the year. If we, if we remember 16 catches, 234 yards and a touchdown. Don't forget about that guy on the other end. That was the game that was like, he broke them. He won Utah that game. So, oh man, what a guy. Hey, Dalton Kincaid, man. He's had another great game this week too. I'm excited to talk about tight ends. Because Michael Mayer gets the spotlight, man, but Dalton Kincaid, he's he's right there for me. Yep. Uh, uh, okay, Saturday, run through them here quick. Let me know uh, if, what's jumping out at you this weekend. We got Big 12 is Kansas State versus TCU. Kansas State, good defense. TCU, Quentin Johnson. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, SEC, how about LSU fresh off of a loss up against Georgia? Uh, Georgia is 17 and a half, way too low. Put it up to 20 and a half. Uh, ACC Clemson and UNC Clemson got exposed by Spencer Rattler. Who's on a revenge tour and North Carolina played like shit. See if they can bounce back. North Carolina is reeling. We need a big Josh Downs performance this week. Uh, and then the last one, which is just sort of whatever is Michigan and Purdue in the Mi- big den Michigan 16 and a half also way too low put it at 25 you're sleeping on Charlie Jones man this is uh, we're gonna see a 14 catch 300 yard performance let's see what corn dog Johnson has for him on the other end <laughs> so that is the that is the week 14 action the conference championship window so uh wanted to shout that out because it will be a fun fun weekend to watch those games watch the guys one last opportunity uh before we move into uh our version of draft season so um with that said how about we jump into some badges for week 13 and i will let you start us off this week so this is a player that i don't think we've really talked about enough you know, we we've been sitting here we've been talking about all these guys you know but what about the potential number one overall pick you know this is the blue ribbon award for bryce young the blue ribbon badge apologies for bryce young and uh he went uh, 20 for 30 343 three touchdowns he was on point i mean so th- this game the iron bowl against auburn was basically Bryce Young's kind of masterpiece game where he kind of just tore them apart and did anything that he wanted the entire time. Uh, he His poise is incredible. His scrambling is great. His accuracy is on point. I mean, he has very good ball handling in terms of play action, pump fakes, that kind of stuff. Uh he was finding Jermaine Burton in this game. Um, just just kind of in general, wanted to shout out Bryce Young. I kind of want to know your thoughts on him in general because, we, we again, we haven't really talked about him. He could be the number one overall pick, and he's he's been playing great this year. It's been a little underwhelming, uh, but I, I referenced earlier the the talent around him isn't incredible, but it, it's – he he's getting it done. I think enough to to prove that he's worthy of the, one of those top two quarterback spots. 
So a couple of things. First of all, uh, quarterbacks is sort of a weird thing, right? Like we're, you know, it's not really the emphasis, although we end up talking about them because you can't not talk about quarterbacks. I mean, we're talking about Caleb Williams. He's not even draft eligible. Um, so there's that side of it. But I think that that in, in, in there, the reason that we haven't like brought it Bryce into the conversation more often is just simply because it hasn't been Heisman Bryce, you know, like the, 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 a lot of what we have talked about up to this point, you know, for better or for worse is who is statistically doing well in the college football season. Obviously one of those players is Bryce young, but he's not blowing the top off to the point where it's like, Oh, we got to talk about what Bryce did. A lot of that has to do with the supporting cast. This is arguably the worst group of, of at least I'll call wide receivers uh, in the last several years for for Alabama. So there's that element to it. But um, that almost makes this season even more impressive for me because of the fact that Bryce Young is elevating these players uh, and, you know, doing things that, you know, other Alabama quarterbacks haven't necessarily needed to do when you have, you know, NFL draft, uh, you know, first high first round players running uh down the field for you like Jalen Waddell or uh Jerry Judy and whatnot so all of that is to say Bryce Young I so I've started I have started the process of getting myself ready our first rankings show is going to be quarterbacks and so I have started watching quarterbacks and I have watched Bryce Young I have a grade for Bryce Young right now. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil anything. We're going to build the tension. <laughs> Got to get him coming back to the, to the future shows, you know? <laughs> hey, those it's that's going to be so much fun when we can finally just sit down and say, here's what he does great, here's what he needs to be better at, here's where you should draft him. That's what I'm excited for. And with a guy like Bryce Young, I'm doubly excited for that because this is a player that we're going to be talking about as, like you said, potentially the number one pick in the draft. And I will say this, I think he should be. Yeah, I I think I agree. I mean, obviously it's a tight race between him and Stroud, but the things that I saw out of Bryce Young with the the lesser supporting cast, like you said, it it is a uh, kind of it's it's good to see just in general, like it's straight up. It's it's just nice to see him do well go for 3000 yards 27 touchdown five picks with a not as great supporting cast i mean alabama fans are calling for nick saban's head like that's a thing <laughs> after this year i mean i i get it you guys are used to being number 1 number 2 but but anyway uh yeah bryce young has been very good and it, if houston has a number 1 pick which we're all all signs are pointing in that direction. Bryce Young, I think, is a great fit there. I mean, if you look at the Stroud fit versus the Bryce Young fit, Bryce Young fits there a lot better just because the line is not great and he has poise and he has more mobility than Stroud. And then you get a, a receiver in the building and you're looking at a pretty impressive offense. So 
I uh, I hate to project that far forward, but I, I like the idea of Bryce Young going number one to Houston. I love when you project that far forward because that gets me <laughs> fucking pumped up, man. I'm ready. I know. I've been uh, doing Madden franchises, you know, getting the drafts going and, you know, getting yes. this rookie class loaded in <laughs> and seeing what these guys look like in uh, NFL jerseys. Oh, my God. It's going to be so strange. So strange next year. Like, wow. We talked about these guys for one year ago today. It's like. Now Bryce Young's leading Houston to their a loss in week one, unfortunately. If forty four um, to eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. Well, my badge this week is a player that I said to myself before this week. I said, I don't think you're paying enough attention to this player. I don't think you even have an opinion on this player yet, and that might be a mistake. And what did he do this week? He earned himself a badge from me. That's Marvin Mims Jr., Oklahoma wide receiver. So I'm giving him, I don't want to say the, the, but it's the, the catch badge. (laughs) Because he made what probably is the best catch of the entire college football season. It is at least top three. Uh, there's been some other ridiculous ones, but this one was kind of insane. And from a player that you don't really expect to see it out of. I mean, this is a guy. That I haven't seen this until right now. <laughs> I just saw your eyes light up. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, continue. well, Mark, okay. So this is a, you know, slot guy. We talk about him. He's kind of a field stretcher. And I think that was part of where my internal bias about him kind of started was like i don't what is the what's the ceiling here like i'm gonna i understand you have skill but you know i don't you know me you know how i like my wide receivers so but then you see him go out and make a catch like that and you're kind of like is there more to this game that maybe is that i that i don't know about that i just haven't seen yet or that's maybe just untapped in general but it was a huge game huge game outside of the catch for marvin mims as well it was uh there was one I mean, it's a little cheap because he had 160-some yards, I think, and 80 of them were uh, on a completely blown coverage. Like, it seems what to happen are to you him a lot. doing? <laughs> like, the corner blitzes and nobody picks him up. He's just all alone. <laughs> There's nobody over the top. It's just It was the weirdest 80-yard touchdown I've ever seen. But, uh, all, yeah, no, I Marvin Mims – Caught my eye this weekend. I was I was looking out for him, and he did the damn thing. Yeah, I I really like Marvin Mims. I mean, I've liked him since the preseason. We've we talked about him. He was in I think my five spot, something like that. But yeah, he he's been pretty impressive. It's it's boom bust with him, just kind of in the nature of the role he plays. I mean, he's a slot burner, but he. I, look look at this game, this Texas Tech game. Look at the snap percentages. He's, he played four snaps in the slot. Played 43 yep. outside. Yep. Look at the, I mean, the Oklahoma State, again, he played 85% outside. So he played more snaps on the outside than he did on the slot on the season. It's basically a two-to-one split. So 
Marvin Mims, I think Oklahoma trying to get him more acclimated to that outside role. I think once he gets to the NFL, he'll be bumped to a slot because he is a slot size. He excels in the slot, and the 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 speed out of the slot is really valuable. Yeah. Uh, what's weird about this game is that all of his all of his stats came in the first half too. Like he, I, you're watching him in the second half. He's lining up outside. You're like, all right, let's see what he's going to do. And then it's just like another pass to a different guy or another Eric Gray carry. And I, I mean, they lost the game. They had a huge lead while Marvin Mims was popping off. And then when he wasn't getting targets, they lost. So kind of interesting, but yeah, no, I did notice he's lining up outside. I mean, his release is excellent, just phenomenal. And I mean, yeah, exciting player that just really hasn't gotten much attention uh, here, but that is probably going to change moving forward. Uh, IDP. Yes. Defense. They're people. What is your badge? So I have Isaiah Foskey. He played against Caleb Williams. Um, this is the contain badge. And Isaiah Foskey did his best to contain Caleb Williams. He ended up going for uh, five tackles, one and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. And it, it was it was a good game. It if he's going against any other quarterback, it's a great game. But you know, Caleb Williams breaks contain. He makes you look silly every once in a while. I mean, it's just gonna happen. The guy's a freak. But yeah, Foskey. He's he's been good this year. We we another guy we haven't talked about a lot just because there's so many names on the board for edge and for IDP, but he has eleven sacks on the season, um, and that's that's tied for third in college football. He's been just very good on that Notre Dame defense. He's been one of the anchors on the edge there. And he had a he had a just a fine game here against USC trying to knock Caleb Williams out of his rhythm. And he, he did successfully a few times. Uh end one of those crazy scrambles of Caleb Williams. He he got got him down on the ground. Yeah, Foskey was one of the edge guys that excited me a lot going into the season and he has certainly not disappointed. And I think he's going to be one of the premier group that is uh, first round draft pick in this loaded. I mean, it's pretty loaded edge group. So, um, yeah, I really like Foskey. I think he's going to be one of probably, you know, in terms of edge, I mean, he's going to be one of the top guys for sure, IDP wise. And I, you know, Given the landscape of this group of, of IDPs, I mean, it's I think it's going to be pretty edge heavy at the top, which is what we saw in the preseason. It's we we had edge guys up there as well, but it's just you know names have come and gone throughout the season. Vosky is is making himself known. It's true. Yeah, we we've seen like you said, a lot of guys come through camp. We've you know giving out badges i think we try to get a different name every week but sometimes it's just like i mean that's a good ball player you gotta you gotta just respect the guys that do it week in and week out well and idp is so weird too because at the end of the day man there's like just a handful really that i that i care about on draft day like 
let's be real. I don't care about this second round edge rusher because he's going to be on waivers for me. If I want him, he's probably going to be on waivers unless you're talking about a class where, you know, edge three is a second round draft pick, which is not this class at all. Then those kind of guys are just, they're not really going to move the needle for a lot of folks. So you can keep those guys on the wire and you draft guys like Foskey in the third round and you profit. It's true. I like that. Uh, well, I'll tell you a player that you can't draft in the third round. That's Will Anderson. <laughs> and I'm giving him another badge this week. Um, because like you said, we like to try to bring up some different names on the IDP side just to keep it fresh and see, you know, we understand that there are other defensive players in the draft, but Will Anderson might make you believe that those guys don't really matter as much because uh, this is still my IDP one. It will continue to be my IDP one in the same sense that Bijan will be 101 from now until next Christmas. And <laughs> I, <laughs> there's a lot of folks out there that are starting to bring up some stuff with Will Anderson, and I'm giving him the 75% badge this week. <laughs> Because I don't even give a damn if Will Anderson's going at 75% this year, which he very well might be. If you watch the tape back from this week against Auburn, it was not a player that looked like he was giving it his all on every single play. And he had two sacks and seven pressures. Like, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be full Will Anderson. Because what's better then full Will Anderson is 75% Will Anderson. That's healthy enough to get picked number two overall in the spring. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Will Anderson leads all defenders in QB pressures in a coasting year. <laughs> he is going 75% and getting two sacks in the Iron Bowl. Uh, well, he's coasting, you know, he's tied for eighth in sacks while he's not giving it his all. Hey, guess what? I hope to God he's not on the bears next year. <laughs> Cause I, once, once he's on an NFL team, I could tell you what, he's going to be giving it his all chasing down Jordan love or Aaron Rodgers, And that's not going to feel great. I could tell you that. Uh, so I don't. Uh, if this isn't him giving him his, it is all, uh, yeah, draft him as high as you can because this is a scary football player. I mean, put the tape on. Put the tape on from 2021. This is not the same player. And and it's not, it's, it's not because he's anything less. It's, I think it really is a matter of, Hey, I put the tape out there already. You already know what I am. Now let me just keep myself healthy and get ready for without skipping the season because it's kind of weird. We don't see that anymore. It was like this phase where it was like everybody's going to skip now and now suddenly that's just done. But a guy like Will Anderson could have skipped definitely, but instead he came back and had this kind of a season, an elite season, uh, following up his, you know, all-time great season, and he's the same player. 
He's the same kind of athlete. You see the snaps in this game where it's like an absolute cannon shot when he bursts off and there is not a left tackle in the world that can handle him when he does that. So his get off can be just ridiculous sometimes where it's like as the ball is being snapped, like it's before I think the center, his neurons are firing properly (laughs) that like I need to get my head up to block now and the right tackle is like oh the ball is snapped let me turn my head back outside get my kicks to out will anderson's at the quarterback you know it's like the x-men movie where quicksilver just puts everything (laughs) into slow motion that's like will anderson getting off when he's trying you know sometimes he doesn't feel like trying but when he does uh, he's a freak well and a lot of so the just to kind of clarify what i mean is like when you watch him play he's doing a lot of the little things which is something that we praised him for way back in the beginning it's not always as a pass rusher right he's a great run defender he's you know he keeps keeps contain really well it's more so after the play where i see will kind of coasting a little bit this year where it's like he you know he makes his move and then the play kind of goes in the opposite direction and where a different player might you know try to get across the field and get in will's kind of just done with that play and you know why why bother at this point i mean why sprint across the field get wrapped you know caught from behind wrapped up on a a play that's not yours to make you know so that's what i noticed in this game at least i'm not going to say that that's been happening all year but i've certainly been seeing some people saying this will anderson guy is he all that he's cracked up to be and i'm like don't talk to me please just watch the film once again the uh alabama fans coming after will anderson will anderson and nick saban talking about (laughs) how will anderson is overrated you know he's not putting it all out there for this team and this that and the other thing and guess what i wouldn't either if i was getting chalked up to make whatever million tens of millions of guaranteed dollars in 2023 exactly and with that, that is week 13. So, man, I I can't, I cannot express to you how excited I am for what is right around the corner. Not to say that week 14's not going to be exciting for me, because it is. But the next week, and then 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 it's the Senior Bowl, and then it's the draft and then it's man i'm i can i i'm so can you see it can you see I it can, on my face? i can, I can, can absolutely see it, see it. <laughs> it's like senior bowl and then we get you know the pro days and the combine and you know we start seeing the real takes start to come out from all the major sources and oh we're getting there the, the nfl draft is like christmas for me and then the dynasty my dynasty rookie draft is like christmas again so there's two christmases in like a three month period of time it's the greatest time of the year what about christmas how's christmas for you it's it's all right it's fine it's no nfl draft (laughs) i can tell you that certainly not the draft it's barely the combine but all right well on that note let's 
dial it back and gather around the campfire. Hey, how you doing, by the way? You doing good? I'm doing fantastic. I uh, doing good? I'm a little under the weather, you know. I I was sick last week. I, I think uh, something's still lingering a little bit. Well, grab. I got here. Grab a marshmallow. Get, get that sucker on the fire. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's nice. And so, last week we talked about Zach Wilson, who is confirmed bad. I just R.I.P. Put him in the tombs. We got a tombstone behind one of the cabins. And the dead leaves the over the top of cemetery. it. <laughs> yeah. Zach Wilson, deceased. Mike White, the future. Um, and sometimes it does really move that fast. And a player that I want to talk about this week is Josh Jacobs. Because in a blink of an eye, we saw Josh Jacobs go from Mr. 101 we forget, people forget, I think, that Josh Jacobs was the 101 of that draft class. Maybe he wasn't in your league, but generally he was. And we saw him go from that to what he became after last season, which was inefficient, maybe losing his job to Zamir White. Wow. Ooh. And then he comes back this season, and he is... An unstoppable force. Uh, at 24 years old, a player that now will almost certainly be amongst the top dynasty running backs once again. So we we saw him do that. He gets drafted 101. He's a top five dynasty running back by default. And he plummets. He's almost a guy that it's like, I don't know if I want to touch Josh Jacobs. And now we're back. So... Talk to me. What does that mean? What do we see here? So Josh Jacobs, you know, you, you got to get into some redrafts. Every every year, get into one, two redraft leagues just to see if you can, if you still got it, you know, because we all started out playing redraft leagues. Generally, nobody started playing Dynasty. So, you know, you got to jump back in, you know, get that, get that August draft going, see, see what you got. And it's like, uh, Josh Jacobs in the fifth round? No, I'm good. I'll take Jerry Judy, you know? <laughs> like, I'll take whoever, you know, L- list of players. There are so many players that I would add ranked above them. And then he's uh, he's been just incredible. And I don't – the usage of Jacobs has been different under this McDaniel offense. And that's not super surprising. I mean, it, he if McDaniel's anything, it's he's a pretty good play caller, pretty good offensive designer. Uh, he might not be good at much else as a coach. We don't know for sure. I mean, we saw a stint in Denver didn't go great. Stint in Las Vegas uh, is not going great again. We've been talking about the Raiders pick as being pretty high. But Josh Jacobs has been being used differently than he's been used in his career and it, it's capped off by the Seattle game last week this is kind of why he's top of mind 
229 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, six catches for 74 yards on seven targets. I mean, that's the season high. I wouldn't be surprised if that's near his career high in targets. And he had his 86-yard, I think that was the overtime, you know, nail in the coffin dagger play where he breaks like two tackles and then just turns on the Jets. I mean, it looks like a different player. It it seemed like previously he was being used as kind of this uh, battering ram kind of player where he's used in between the tackles to get your short yardage. And it seemed like he's banged up a lot because of that. And now he's he's getting used in space. He's catching passes. I before before the season we were talking about Jacobs as like a one-dimensional back in a potential running back by committee backfield, and he's like, nah, nah, we're not doing all that. I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna go. He he scored 30 fantasy points one time in his career before this year. I think he's done that on four separate occasions with 51 this week PPR points. I mean, it's been a resurgence like no other. And we'll we'll see how opinions change or if everybody's going to just keep their priors on Josh Jacobs or if we can evolve as a kind of fantasy community on Josh Jacobs and say like, all right, well, he was the 24th pick in 2019 out of Alabama I mean the guy is a month younger than me which is crazy to think about <laughs> it's like you think he's old and it's like oh well I, I'm not old am I you know <laughs> so uh, well but he's first in league in rushing yards third in attempts I mean fourth in touchdowns he's, he's been incredible and we'll see if uh, opinions change on him I think that's the weirdest part for me is like the arc of this player has happened while he was the cream of the crop of his draft class. I mean, that it, it, it speaks to the expectations on these players when a guy can come out. And I mean, it's not like he's been bad his first three years in the league. I mean, he's been fine. He's been, you know, he's over a thousand yards his first two years. He narrowly misses that last year. Uh, you know, not a huge touchdown guy, but it's just like I, I understand, and I am at fault of it as well. I I faded Josh Jacobs going into this this season, but it's just amazing how quickly your brain does that. Where it's like if you're not seeing, you know, Christian McCaffrey, it's like, well, you know, what do we really have here? And the other the other wrinkle in this, though, the other thing that made it really complicated is the fact that they didn't pick up his option. So the Raiders don't pick up his option. And then in your brain, you're like, well, he can't be that good if they didn't pick up the option. So, you know, there's a lot of factors at play here, but I think it just really goes back to this idea that we've kind of been harping on. It seems like the last few weeks, at least, where there's just an element of patience that I feel like is lost. It's an, it's an, it's an advantage in dynasty. If you can have that sort of sixth sense when it's like, I'm going to be patient with this player versus I'm going to panic and try to get the value that I can right now. Uh, 
the guy like Josh Jacobs, you weren't getting that value back, not the value you, you paid for him or that you spent on him. And so in some, time, in some cases, it is really best to just hold. And a player like Najee Harris comes top of mind where it's like everyone's going to panic coming out of this season and be like, I got to get out on him right now while he still has some value left. Ebbs and flows. It happens. Yeah. And when he didn't, when the option didn't get picked up, this happened with Miles Sanders too. The Eagles didn't pick up this option where you look at it and it's like, you look at it as a negative. Well, it seems like when this doesn't happen, the player gets a, part of my, a fuckload of carries. I mean, they just get. I don't know if uh, the coaching staff or the ownership group sees it as just, you know, run the last of the treads off the tires. That's how I always talk about it. It's like, we're just going to, you know, beat this guy into the ground because we're, we're not responsible for him next year. You know, we're, he's not on our books. Somebody else can deal with him, you know, whatever. And I guess that's what Le'Veon Bell was trying to change. Uh, with his holdout situation, but we all know how that worked out. And uh, now we're seeing with Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, who are both having incredible resurgence seasons that could be kind of bringing their value back to the forefront of our minds. Um, and so we'll have to, you know, keep an eye on where where these kind of players go from here if they end up on new teams what does that mean if they stay in place it doesn't even mean anything to decline the option you know is the prove it year the contract year all that stuff it it all kind of comes into play and it's not always something that we're thinking about as uh when we're gauging value it's not like oh well you know they decline the option they're out on this guy we got to sell it's like well I mean, you could be looking at the highest usage of his career, though. And it's a terrible time to sell because the value is tanked. I mean, I don't know. It's, I get it. I have players like this that are, like, you feel panicked, like I need to get away from this. But, I don't know, the risk is worth the reward sometimes or it's outweighs the reward sometimes because you could have a situation like this where you could sell them after this year and get a fortune probably and you know move on if that's what you want to do you cut your losses say well i'm going to go out on this kind of a season bet on him to not do that again you might be wrong but it's better than whatever you were going to get last year well we talked about uh when we were talking about kind of trade deadlines and all that, what is the time to sell on a running back? And we mentioned 26-ish. And Josh Jacobs will be 25 going into next season. So, I mean, obviously pending free agency, it might be a time to buy Josh Jacobs. You know, it might be a time to, if you're a contending team, this might be a guy that a, a fantasy owner is kind of, you know doesn't know what to do with uh thinks that they can get out on him now you know thinks okay i i got my money back in my pocket the time to get away from him and then you could just see the same thing next year i have a piece of trivia for you oh boy who was the third 
running back taken in the 2019 NFL draft? Number one is Josh Jacobs, obviously, and number two is Miles Sanders. 2019. I No, I don't know. Would you guess David Montgomery? Oh, my goodness. The most broken tackles in the history of all time sports. If you would guess David Montgomery, which I would have, you would be wrong. Okay. The third running back taken in the 2019 draft was Daryl Henderson. Wow. Daryl Henderson was drafted ahead of David Montgomery and Devin Singletary, but I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have either. He was a third-round pick, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, and then they went and drafted Cam Akers in the second round two years later. Yeah. Now one of them's off the team. Yep. And the other one got lauded for having 37 yards this week. I mean, you know, he's back. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> You know, the Achilles injury, it, it keeps coming back to bite these guys. I, I haven't seen one come back and look the same. I mean, James Robinson got traded and a healthy scratch after the, the – yes. oh, my God. His career is over. So, it's <laughs> the Achilles might be the, the, Grim the ender that, that we thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. Mo Ibrahim. Still have hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's... Uh, anyway. Story. All right. There it is. Week 13. We did it. And we're ready to do it again next week. I'm ready for more Caleb Williams in my veins. Pac-12 action. No, no, sorry. 2024. Got to rain it in. Golden Kincaid, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. That's why we'll be watching oh, that man. game. It's just, we, again, I, I've alluded to this before, and I'm going to do it again. The quarterbacks episode is going to become unhinged, I think, this year, and it's there's that's a big reason why we can't stop talking about Caleb Williams. I think, but <laughs> will we'll Levis we not there. top five? Question mark. Anyway, <laughs> <It's>, well, <laughs> it's why oh, bad. All right. So we will be back next week to cover all of the action one final time before launching ourselves into the abyss of draft season. But until that point, find Camp Dynasty on Twitter at Camp underscore Dynasty and on TikTok at Camp dot Dynasty. Leave us some sort of review on whichever platform you choose to listen to this podcast, whether it is five stars or one stars, it will only hurt my feelings a little bit if it's a one star. And that's it. That's all I have for week 13. So with all of that being said, thank you for stopping by Camp Dynasty. Have a great week.